We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish. I am here as always with the inscrutable, maybe, Rohan Kadi. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Deal Dash. Rohan, how's it going? The Bucks are through two seeding games now. They are one and one, and there's been a lot of takes. There have been. Uh, I think I can start this off by saying same feeling as last uh, episode, last time we recorded, in the sense that I can no longer use the LeVar meme for undefeated oh, in the yeah. seeding games. Uh, and there's, you know, I'm running out of options here, like home games. Technically, that was a Rockets, uh, Rockets home game. So technically, true. Yeah, they're still uh, undefeated in home in games. In the East? Yeah, Eastern Conference. Uh, see, I'll figure it out. I always do. Um, but yeah, we're through two games. It's really, uh, again, it's really nice to have actual Bucks basketball back. Like these games matter. These games have mattered that we've been watching, which is just wild. Like I'm, I'm enjoying the ride still. I'm still, still in that state of basketball is back. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people are getting a little bit too frustrated with some of these games just because, I mean, they they do technically matter. I don't think Bud thinks they matter all that much. I mean, we got so far, and there was more in game one, but we've gotten 16 minutes per game from Sterling Brown, and we've gotten quite a bit from uh, Ersan, who's played almost nine minutes per game, which I don't know if those things will hold up when the when everyone's healthy and the games actually matter again, but... 
yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been really fun to watch him at times. Sometimes the team has been just a little bit frustrating, I think. But overall, I do agree. Just like having basketball back is nice. I mean, I really just enjoy watching this team. So that getting to do that is fun, even if they do, you know, not win every single game, which apparently you have to to be a serious contender. You just have to go eighty-two and zero. But unfortunately, the Bucks not doing that. Yeah, they they did win their first game against the Boston Celtics on, what was that, Friday? Yeah, Friday. Yes. And then, of course, they dropped one on Sunday night uh, against the Houston Rockets, uh, continuing their trend of not doing great on ABC, the Bucks. that is. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I don't know, Is have they, they've lost their last two, right? Because they had that one Sixers game uh, two years ago, two seasons, last oh, season? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, last the season, late, yeah. late last season. Mm, that Which they, feels that like they two lost, years ago, where Giannis had like fifty-two. Um, that was the that F and baby game, wasn't it? It was. It was. Well, that sounds so weird out of context. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was la- uh, this season that feels like last season's this season's Christmas game against the Sixers. Oh God! Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, but yeah, they lost to the Rockets in a close game. What was the final score there? It was a four-point game, one twenty to one sixteen. I knew it for once. You did, yes. Uh, but, yeah, well, we're one and one The Bucks are in the seeding game so far. Yeah, so basically I figure here, because we're not recording directly after either game, which is probably good because I was just, I wouldn't even say riled up, just some of the takes right after the, the Houston game were exhausting. I mean, the funny thing to me, and it's not funny, but, you know, everyone who's salty says the funny thing to me. Um, Giannis is not a closer or LeBron level player because he he messed up the last play. I mean he's driving against Harden. Um, I think PJ Tar no somebody helps maybe Westbrook and then Giannis throws a terrible pass that gets picked off. It's basically game over from that point. I mean Chris got a couple looks but didn't fall. Um, the I think it was the play right before that. I mean Giannis drove through and scored to put the Bucks up. So it's just one of those. It's like it's not like he didn't do anything late. I just I don't know. He, he messed up. He didn't win a game. You don't win every single game. The Rockets are good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was just, it was, uh, an up and down game. I thought most of their execution in the second half was good. And then the very end, it just, I, I just didn't really get what they were going for. And I, I see a lot of people have been talking about why not run the Chris Giannis pick and roll. Obviously I agree with that question. Um, I think the, the answer I've seen not from like the team, but just floated out there is, Maybe they didn't want to run it because Houston would just switch because they have the five tiny guy lineup now, and that takes away the effectiveness a little bit, but I still think it would have probably been worth running. What were your thoughts on like the, the late-game execution against Houston? I thought it was just... It seemed a little disjointed. Yeah. That's the only way I can put it. It's... I don't know if I can... Uh, Milwaukee can heavily lean on this as an excuse, but it felt like they didn't really know what they were doing. Uh, it seemed like they're obviously they were out of practice, but I don't know how much you can really lean on that in terms of late game execution, because that's just, that's, that's more like a mental aspect real realistically, right? Yeah. Uh, whether you know what you're doing or not in these tight situations, is that because they haven't necessarily had to play in a close game through the majority of the season, uh, or even in general, like basketball wise in like almost five months? Who's to say? It just it felt really disjointed. That's that's really all I can say there. There was like you had mentioned, there's a lot of mistakes either way, and just like this entire game in general against the Rockets was just it was just so sloppy. The team finished with 22 turnovers. Yeah, the the second highest mark they've hit all season. Like they had 23 in two different games. 
Yeah, it was just if you're turning it over 22 times and you're only making you're making less than 10 threes in a game, I don't know how you expect to win with or without the late game execution. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the late game execution is what people are going to focus on, just because you know that's. I mean, that it turns the game. I mean, that's that's why they lost. I mean, they they had built up a lead and they absolutely just completely fumbled it away. I mean, I thought they had put that thing away, and then Houston, I think, goes on a nine zero run in, in just the space of a couple minutes, where it's. I mean, that's how you you can't you can't be giving up stuff like that. I mean, that this should be seen. Obviously, these games are they count, but they're practice for you know the playoffs, but. I hope the Bucks really take a long look at some of the execution there late and figure out how to prevent that exact thing from happening. Because I think what part of what happened is they thought the same thing I did, which is like, oh, we just won this. Like, I don't, I don't forget what the, I don't remember exactly what their lead was, but it was fairly comfortable with almost no time left. And I think they just took the gas off the pedal. And I think you can't do that at all, but you really can't do that against a guy like Russell Westbrook, who's always going 200 miles an hour. Lo and behold, Russ starts to like go crazy and score and get to the line a bunch. And I think it kind of, took, I think it kind of like dazed the Bucks. It was like, like if if this was a boxing match, right? They're in like the 11th or 12th round. They have a huge lead, and they just get caught with a couple of haymakers and get KO'd when all they really had to do was keep taking care of business and finish that thing out. And they they could have won. They should have won. So hopefully it's a learning experience that you can't take the gas off. You have to be methodical with your execution uh, and and how you play. But yeah, the 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 ball control was disgusting. I think Pud is probably furious and probably uh, not super happy watching that film. I think a lot of guys who usually are decent ball handlers, you know, especially in the small doses that they usually operate in with the ball, just look bad. I think. The worst offender might have been Dante DiVincenzo, who ends up with five turnovers. Chris had six, but um, and he was also sloppy at times as well. But overall, had a much better game. I don't know what do you, I, I. How concerned are you with the ball control? Is this and then Houston is a team that has to go for deflections because they're not big. But I don't know. I thought it was worrying, but I don't think it's something. I think they can fix it. They can definitely fix it. It seems like a lot of the time. They were just getting stripped in the lane. Yeah, uh, a lot of the times, uh, especially with like Chris and Dante, that happened a bunch with them. Uh, Dante, I'll get to in a minute, but it just—it <laughs> oh. <laughs> seems like, yeah, I'm not super concerned necessarily with the ball control because this is a team that we know that doesn't turn the ball over very often. Uh, like they have a proven track record of you know not being like like they take they take care of the basketball. Um, so I'm not going to let one game necessarily sway my, um, my thoughts, uh, on whether this team can necessarily handle itself in terms of like ball control. So I don't want to get like, you know, too erratic when I say this, but it just, it seemed really sloppy. It seemed like they were trying to do too much and that's where I get into Dante. Mm. So against this game, again, we did not have any Eric Bledsoe. We did not have Pat Connaughton at all. We did have Marvin Williams return though, um, so we did uh the bucks were off like they didn't have their starting point guard uh so again dante was in his place and we know against the rockets that's that's where bledsoe shines right if if there was one game that i wanted bledsoe to play during these seeding games it was against the rockets just him he just gets a whole another level of excitement when he gets to just swat james harden shots off the backboard <laughs> it's just it's great but you know unfortunately uh, he was not able to play, but, you know, wish the best to him. Hope he can get healthy and for the games that really matter. Because, um, again, this is just a regular season game. 
Um, but yeah, Dante. It seemed like from the jump, he was trying to be Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. He's not Eric Bledsoe. No. I think I think this game really showed <laughs> that Dante. While we, I I am a big Dante stan, love Dante, love where he's going in the future with this team. He tried to do too much this game. He he's good at a little bit of ball like creation with the ball in his hands, but not at the level of a near all star in Eric Bledsoe. And I feel like he was just trying to replicate his role the entire game. And he just, he bit off more than he could chew. Yeah. And I think the frustrating thing for me with, with Dante, and I could even forgive some of the turnovers on the drives. Cause, I mean, that's, that is something the Bucks want him to do, you know, is, is go north-south, like get to the rim. He's not great at finishing all the time, and he definitely goes through some weird journeys to get there. Um, but I, I could forgive a little bit of that, a little bit of that, but... I just I, I'm confused at how many pull up jumpers he's taking when he's not really that open, like pretty early in the shot clock. I mean, in this game he shoots four for ten overall, one for six from deep, and it felt like without looking, maybe two, maybe three of those threes were catch and shoot. A lot of them he'll just like kind of come around a screen and pull up. And you know, I like him trying to add that to his game eventually. But I like there's only a few guys on this team I really want creating offense. Chris obviously, Giannis obviously, Brooke Lopez when he's in the right spots he can do it. He was phenomenal uh, in the Rockets game. He's just been really good overall I think. But he just kind of wondered, and I know I mean they're down guys so that probably plays a lot into it. But I would actually just rather have you know more motions and stuff than just like more more actions, run some screens, cuts, post up something, or especially against this team some post up. Some of those guys are. Like the Lopez brothers would just overpower him, although PJ Tucker and James Harden are very stout down low. Um, but yeah, just it just felt like it, almost more than Bledsoe. Like he was taking some shots in this game where I was like, I don't even know if Eric Bledsoe would take that shot on this team. So it certainly didn't work out for him. Nine points on ten shots and five turnovers. But hopefully it's a learning experience and he continues to be aggressive when he needs to be. It's, it's similar to Bledsoe. He's got to be aggressive but controlled aggressive, not just like let me, you know, dash around a screen and pull up even if my guy didn't really get stuck on the screen. Yeah, it's it's a happy medium. You don't want him to be, you know, super passive or anything. You want him to play to his strengths, but just like not not too much, you know? It's yeah. just you, 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 just finding a happy medium. That's all I can really say there. Right. So I guess one thing I want to talk about for sure, just overall both games, and this is something I've seen a little bit of concern on Twitter, a little bit of concern in our Eurostep Discord, which tweet at either of us with a screenshot of you listening to the pod if you want to get in there and talk bucks, but Milwaukee's three-point shooting. I think nationally I saw a lot of concern over the Houston game about the the Bucks like defending threes and the corners and all that. I, I don't know. It's, I feel like we've just talked about their scheme ad nauseum. They could switch if they wanted to. They could have Brooks slide a couple more feet out to P.J. Tucker if they wanted to. Whatever. Maybe we can get to it later if you want to talk about it. But the Bucks own three-point shooting. They've been 28.9% through the two games. I think they were like 25% or 28% or something like that against Houston. The team is not shooting very well. I mean, surprisingly, outside of Ursan, who's I think one of one, in the bubble, and Robin Lopez, who's only taken a couple. Giannis is their second leading three-point shooter amongst guys who have actually been regularly taking them. Kyle Korver's at 43%, then Giannis is at 37.5%. Nobody else is above 30%. So, 
I don't know. Do you find this troubling? Like the Bucks again in, in some of these tight games, not hitting threes or I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it exactly. Yeah. It's just weird. It's, it's, it's always concerning, especially given how well this team is capable of shooting the three and also how much it really opens things up for their best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's like if you have elite three point shooting around Giannis, that's obviously what makes Giannis even better. You can have your you just want to put your best player in the position where he can be his best. And that happens when you have players knocking down shots <laughs> when he, that he can pass out to, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely it's a little it's a little concerning. I will say that, uh, especially given, uh, you know, like. George, like the players that they're missing right now in Eric Bledsoe and Pat Connaughton are not like snipers. So I don't know. It's just, it's more like a wait and see sort of thing I can say, because we don't have necessarily like a large sample size or anything, right? It's like you've been saying, it's only been like two games, right? So yeah. it's, I, it's, it's definitely a little bit concerning if it were to continue against Brooklyn of all teams on, on Tuesday, right? Yeah. 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 That sounds right. Um, <laughs> Tuesday during the day. Oh yeah. It's that weird, a 1230 start or something, right? Or t- something like that. It's going to be, it's going to, we'll yeah. talk about the Brooklyn game. It's going to be brutal, but <laughs> Yeah, but if that continues, then I'll start to get a little more worried. But you could also say, you could also take this a different way and say, like, they made less than nine threes and they had multiple uh, opportunities to tie the game to send it to OT. Yeah. You know? My thing with the shooting is thus. I think, even though Bledsoe and Conadin, I think they're fine three-point shooters. They're not great. They're not, like, better than the guys on the floor right now. I think mostly Bledsoe, I guess a little bit Pat, really open up the floor for some of the shooters more. I mean, we've seen like the Sterling Brown minutes. And I don't even I don't want to pile on Sterling Brown too much. I mean, it's like he's clearly just being overtaxed. Like they're basically playing him as point guard in some of these um rotations. Why lineups. can't we get any Frank Mason minutes? I wonder if he's still banged up. Have we Oh that's we, true. I, I don't know. <laughs> I actually I haven't seen him on the injury report, but I, I'm not sure if he's healthy or not. But it's just like the guy's not a point guard, and every time he's like, I will say though, I I, I know I just said I don't want to pile on him. The the really frustrating Sterling Brown clips for me is like when he grabs a rebound and just tries to take it coast to coast himself and looks off a bunch of really good playmakers and shooters and turns the ball over. Like those are the kind of things that go okay seriously. Like oh, that's frustrating, but whatever. Anyway, like obviously you know if there's however many, 16 minutes a game of Sterling Brown where he's one of the primary playmakers on the team, It there's not going to be as many good threes being taken. Like I think the shot, the looks are going to be a lot better for everybody once the team is, is whole and is healthy. Um, but again, like the other thing too is is this kind of was like last year's thing, right? Like why aren't they hitting? Like they're good shooters. Why aren't they hitting the threes? Like what, what should the Bucks do? Should it be a concern? I don't really think you can even think about it. Like, I don't... Like, they have Kyle Korver, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, George Hill, Wesley Matthews, Marvin Williams. Like, those are all very good shooters. Brooke Lopez may be a little more questionable with this season and it's more recent thing. But still, like, between Korver, Middleton, George Hill, Wesley Matthews, Marvin Williams, those are five, like, very, very good shooters for their positions. Some of the best in the league, I would argue. If they don't hit shots, they don't hit shots. Like, I don't think... 
I don't think it's anything like on the way the Bucks play. I think it's just kind of random. But yeah, there's I, a level of variance there that you have to. Accept. Yeah, but I, I don't like. I don't know what they could have possibly done better. Like Kyle Korver, one of the best catch and shoot guys ever. Chris Middleton's elite in all areas. Wesley Matthews been very good forever. George mm-hmm. Hill led the league in three point percentage this Kyle year. Kyle Korver also good in all areas. You see him driving to the rim. And oh score? my goodness! I I thought I thought the life exited his body when he hit the ground. He looked done. I was like, is that his last basketball play ever? Um, <laughs> it might be the first, uh, last time he ever does that. No. It, it truly might be. But I just like, you know what I mean though? Like, yes. and Robin and Brooke have been good this year too. Ursan is around. Sure. I, it, like, what he can exists. you do? Like, what else can you do besides get all these shooters? Like, I, I don't think it's a flaw in the way they play. I, I think it's random. Yeah, that's fair. It, it's just, it's random chance. And again, even if you're not getting... Like, I think the concern is, it's like when your three isn't falling, are you going to do anything to adjust or just hope? Yeah. Yeah. You got to get inside. I, that's all my take for years and just basketball in general has been like, if you miss like three straight threes, you need to get to the paint the next possession. Like you can't, I think that this is Houston's downfall. I think that's how you miss 27 straight is like, if you get forced into just taking them over and over and you lose that confidence, I think that can kill you. So I think the Bucks need to start inside and work outside. I mean, especially with having Giannis, but that that's a, that's something I would worry about and think about more than just like, what if everyone turns into potatoes in the playoffs? I don't, I don't know what you do about that. I don't know how you adjust to that. They have so many great shooters. If it happens, it happens. I don't think it will. I seriously hope not, but it's just not something I'm going to sit here and and worry about because it just seems like impossible to control. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just like you said, it's just random. It's just variance. There's, you can just hope, but also just like, if you're not making your threes, just go post up uh, one of the low pie, you know? Go yeah. get Giannis, have Chris work in the mid-range, you know, just like have him, right. have him back someone down, hit a turnaround fade. Easy. You know, right. just like if you if your threes aren't falling, are you willing to, you know, change it up a little, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a that's great That's the concern. That's a great point. I, really, I like that way of, of addressing it. Um, and I do think, and I'm glad, I mean, I, I was I was bickering on Twitter with friend of the pod, Anthony Doyle, a little bit about, you know, there was a few, he, he was the first one I saw, but a lot of people were like, this shows how much they miss Bledsoe. And it's true, and I'm glad people are appreciating Bledsoe a little bit. Also, like, again, early in the game, they're doing stuff that even if Bledsoe wasn't out, they wouldn't probably do if, if they were f- healthy and trying really hard to win the game. But I digress. Eric Bledsoe's coming back. That's going to help. Sports are also coming back. And Rohan, so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. MLB is finally still kicking off this week. Opening Brewers Day is tonight. Opening night? I don't know. Maybe. And there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And speaking of straight cash, have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you would never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have more than 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, could always use more of those, home decor, and even cars, I guess. 
here's how it works it's like an auction but every item starts at zero dollars and only goes up one cent every time you bid the kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds that means every time you bid everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours if you go ahead and buy now deal dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts you just need to go to dealdash.com and use pro- offer code euro g-y-r-o or head to dealdash.fm slash euro that's d-e-a-l-d-a-s-h dot f-m slash euro go check it out and buy me something okay rohan what should we talk about next i just did a lot of talking uh, I feel like uh, when we before the break we were talking about you know a little bit of adjustments that a Milwaukee could do in the absence of three point shooting. One thing that we did see a lot of in this game, which is an improvement like in the Rockets game compared to last season, is just Brook Lopez just smashing oh dudes. Oh That's my glorious. goodness, was that entertaining? Brook has just been really really good, and I was a little worried that I had just gotten hot takey. When I said after one of the scrimmages, I keep confusing scrimmages and seeding games, but that like I thought he was the the third best player on the team, and obviously Bledsoe's been out, but he's comfortably been the third best player. I mean, through the two seeding games they've played, Brooke is at thirty minutes a game, which feels very healthy for him. I mean, I don't I don't know what his number is off top. I feel like it's probably a little below that, but thirty minutes a game, eighteen and a half points on forty six percent from the field. And that number is lower than it probably would be because he's down again to 28% from three. But 90% from free throw, he's made 4.5 out of five per game. Also, eight rebounds, one assist, half a steal, four blocks per game, uh, and 1.5 turnovers. And they've won his minutes by nearly 10 points per game. Um, Brooks just been awesome all around. And, yeah, I really I agree with you. I love seeing that when they just find him, those mismatches. They did it in both of the games. And it just feels like there's going to be more Brook, and I think that's a really good thing for the Bucks. Like, I think he was probably underutilized last year. Yeah, it's just, it's hunting mismatches. Um, we saw, like, in their ultimate downfall last season against Toronto, we, we've talked I like about... That, the ultimate downfall. Ooh, thank you. It's true. Uh, we saw that they did not really seek out mismatches and try to exploit, you know, Toronto's weaknesses in terms of their defenders. Um we we're starting to see now that okay if you're playing a rockets team that doesn't start anyone above six seven and you start um brooke lopez who is a exceptionally massive human being uh, <laughs> at like seven foot or is he seven one something like that and like 280 pounds or something like that he's he can get buckets in the post he can do work. He can get a lot of rebounds. He can get a lot of putbacks. He can just own the paint. And we saw them go to that, which is really exciting, given that obviously they didn't win the game. But it's these little adjustments that can be made that just, it, it excites me a lot at the prospect of, you know, they can do this in like a close uh, series in the playoffs. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think one of the positives so far from the whole scrimmages, all of the starting five they've been using have, have been at least po- at least plus 10 over their minutes in the first two games. Dante is plus 10 overall, even after, again, playing pretty terribly against Houston. Chris is plus 12, Giannis is plus 19, Brooke is plus 19, Wes Matthews plus 26, and he's 3 for 12 from 3, and those are the only shots he's taken. So... 
shooting 25% from three and the field, although he's made all three of his free throws. And the only other stats he's put up besides those 12 points are two rebounds. No assists, no steals, no blocks. Plus 26. If you... And that, of course, you could say it's random, whatever, because plus minus. It doesn't always indicate what's going on. I think that shows you exactly how good of a perimeter defender he is and exactly how good the Bucks are when they're playing their main guys together. I mean, I think that's a positive, even though four out of the five, and the only one shooting well is Giannis, four out of the five are shooting poorly. They've still been crushing teams when they all play together, like their real lineups in big minutes. So I think even with some discouraging signs we've seen, I think there's been a good amount of positives. I mean, if the shots start falling, I do feel like they're just going to start crushing teams again. Yeah, that's fair. When If the Bucks are making their threes, there's no really chance you any team has to really beat them. Yeah. So it's just, it, again, it goes back to our prior discussion on just like three-point shooting variance. If it's going in, like, you're not going to beat the Bucks. If it's not, you just have to hope that the Bucks don't adjust to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else should we talk about? What's your George Hill concern level at? I, George Hill has been very he's meh been really, so far. Yeah. he's Meh is a good way of putting it. He just seems really passive. It yeah. doesn't really seem like he's being, you know, like hunting shots as like a bench point guard or anything. Um, he's, he hasn't been like the real steadying ship that he's been all throughout the season before the hiatus. Like if you need, uh, if in prior games, if you needed, like you needed someone to like, uh, slow it down, you know, get like a good pass, get a good read to lead to a good bucket, you know, with bench units, George Hill was your guy. You just put the ball in his hands. He'll calm everything down and he'll get you a good shot opportunity whether it's through him or through another uh player that he you know gets a gets a good assist to it's just he hasn't really been doing that he hasn't really stood out in any particular way it's it's that feeling it's the tony snell feeling almost where it's like he's on the court but it's like what what on earth is he doing on the court like i forget he's in the game sort of thing. yeah yeah i agree i mean it's like so Robin Lopez has played 18 minutes so far. Which is surprisingly low. Yeah, it is. I, I'm a little... I mean, I guess that's what happened. If Brooke's going to play a lot, there's just going to be not that many minutes for him, I suppose. But so, but in those 18 total minutes, Robin Lopez has scored 11 points and made four shots. George Hill has played 55 minutes, scored 12 points, and made three shots. So literally, he has almost 40 more minutes than Robin Lopez, and he's made one less shot. And obviously, I mean, Robin Lopez operates around the basket. Um, you know, they're, they're higher percentage looks, but that's still, that's a ridiculous number. I mean, George Hill, in my estimation, should probably be either fourth or fifth in scoring on, on this version of the Bucks that we've seen. Like, obviously, it's going to be Giannis, then Chris, then probably Brooke Lopez, then George Hill should be right there with Dante DiVincenzo. He's just not been. Like, he scored as many points as Wes Matthews, who, like I already said, has just been terrible from at making threes, but still managed 12 points, the same as George Hill. It's concerning. And I, I wasn't as concerned across the scrimmages because he just wasn't, like, knocking down all his threes. That It'll come and go a little bit sometimes. Hopefully it doesn't go for a long stretch, but just the way he's playing is uninspiring. So that's one of the things I'm going to be looking for for the rest of these seeding games really want to get see George Hill get going because if he is going to be this guy the whole run that's a huge blow to the Bucks because he is supposed to be as you said that steadying force from the bench right now 
he's not really studying much of anything. Yeah, he's really not. He's not he's not being active in any real particular way. Given he did have like five assists against Yeah, he's the, got nine total assists, which is third on the team, but he also has five total turnovers, so it's like mm. Yeah, it's like if you're if you have five assists in this game against the Rockets, but you also have three turnovers and you score five points in total, you have as many points as you do like assists and just two more points than you do with turnovers. That's just, it's a little concerning. You're just not being active in any way, trying to be aggressive, trying to, you know, actually be a part of the offense or any, in any, you know, real way, which is a little concerning, like I've been saying, because, you know, he has done that uh, all, all year long. Uh, but maybe it's just, again, we can, I can say this excuse and say it's just, oh, maybe he's just getting back into shape and stuff. Maybe he's just getting back into a rhythm. But like, so is everyone, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know whether he's taking a little more time because he's an older guy. I think it's, it's, it's not trending well, but there's obviously time for him to improve. Yeah, I think it should be their, probably their biggest focus for the rest of these games is maybe... Maybe draw up a couple more plays for George Hill than you normally would. You know, maybe even play him with the starters a little bit more, like as a first guy off the bench, keep four starters in and George Hill, and try to run some stuff through him. Like just get him feeling good, get him make see it, let him see a couple shots going. You know, so like play him with Giannis and Chris, whereas normally maybe he'd come in there like with Dante and and kind of try to carry a second unit. Maybe put some training wheels on and you know like. Get him some easier looks. It's a lot easier to score if Giannis and Chris and Brooke Lopez are on the floor than it is if you're out there with Sterling Brown and Ursan and Marvin Williams. So maybe that could be something. I'd like to see them just work on that a little bit. But, yeah, if they, they, they just – I'm hoping it's just one of those where he's a little out of the groove right now and he just kind of snaps back into it and we can put this early run in the bubble behind us. Yeah, for sure. Um Another thing that we did see in this game, we did see Marvin Williams return. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Ish. Ish, yeah. He Ish. He still has a little bit to go uh, in terms of like getting comfortable. Given this is like the Rockets, they're a weird matchup for everyone, but I feel like it's especially difficult for a guy like Marvin Williams because it's like you don't really know what position you're really playing on defense. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, they're all almost the exact same. Yeah, so you don't really have any semblance of, you know, what you're supposed to do, which I guess is like that's the thing with the Rockets, right? They can take, they can play anyone on any given night, and they can either get blown out or they can just win by like thirty. Like this is is such a weird team and just high variance team. Yeah, that they're, it's they're like, disorienting to play against. Yeah, it's they're probably the single weirdest matchup in the entire NBA. It's not even close. Um, Unless Denver wants to stick with that bull bull at the two lineup. Oh, that's yeah, that's then, fair. Then they'll be tied. They for should the weirdest. play that in the playoffs, honestly. Like, what is what is anyone besides like you know the Lakers supposed to do about that in terms of size? I I would I just want to see I want to see that five against the Houston five. I think that would be awesome. I feel like Houston would run them off the floor. Yeah, almost almost for sure. But yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. So again, maybe he'll have like a break. Uh, he'll have a breakout game against the Brooklyn Nets. Marvin Williams. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to see him back. We didn't see him against the Celtics. Um, but, you know, it was nice to see him back, playing a healthy amount of minutes, 23 minutes. Ursan uh, yeah. was down to less than four minutes in this game, which clearly, again, shows the pecking order, which is Marv over Ursan, which is great to see. It is. Yeah, Marvin doesn't hit a three, which stinks. But I like that he got nine rebounds in 23 minutes. 
I think that shows you, although he does, he's like on this team, it's just hard to look big because like the Lopez brothers and Giannis, but he is like a legit four and he can do power forward stuff, which is useful, especially like this is one where I think if the Bucks really cared, maybe they experiment a little more with Giannis at the five and switching everything if they don't just want to try to mash the Rockets. Um, and that's that's obviously a place where Marvin Williams can be super important. Like to see him knock down some threes in the next game, but again, it, it was three shots. Like sometimes you miss three shots. Um, we should talk about Giannis. We always forget this. Oh yeah. Um, just really, really good again. I mean, like I said, he he blew the last play of the game, which that'll happen. You don't you don't win them all, but thirty six points, eighteen rebounds, eight assists, one block, and three turnovers in thirty six minutes. He's fifty six percent from the. F- Oh, thir- sorry. NBA stats has 33. Oh, 33. Yeah. Sorry. Somewhere 30, early, young 30s minutes. Yeah, I don't think young was the right word there. But he's uh, 14 to 25 from the field, 2 for 5 from deep. Giannis continues to be a, a pretty solid three-point shooter. It's very early, though. Uh, and 6 for 9, uh, nice free throw shooting performance. He's just great. Like, he's just a great player. He was getting a lot of whatever he wanted, although I thought he got a little, especially earlier, it's, we saw too many straight line drives early on, and I just think that's like I said, Houston is dis- disorienting. It may they they seem like a team you should just always be able to like post up or drive on, but they have like some sneaky, very resilient players. Like I don't think Robert Covington was doing that great against Giannis, but PJ no, Tucker was, he was too busy getting absolutely cooked by Chris Middleton. <laughs> also that yes, but like PJ Tucker and even Harden, it's hard to drive right into those guys. I mean that's the one thing that especially Harden can really defend well. I mean, those guys are bigger than they look. They're definitely heavier than they look. And I think it, it plays into their hands. I think when the Bucks got more into, you know, moving the ball around and getting it to Giannis in motion, they looked a lot better. But, I mean, the guy is just great. <laughs> we should we should never forget to mention that. Yeah, absolute dominating performance. Uh, again, he just, he, he messed up the final play. And given he was probably fouled on the play anyway. But, you know, you're not going to get the call every time. Um, yeah. It's the it's the shack. Uh, real effect there um yeah but yeah well, what's funny to me about this game just okay. a final note on it i feel like i've talked more. i said i was going to be about both games i feel like i barely talked about the boston game but like even if the bucks were down the guys that they're down and they shot so poorly from three if they just took care of the ball like they normally do they probably win anyway i mean they lose by they probably four. win big yeah it's just like i mean they had 21 assists and 23 turnovers they won the rebounding battle I like. I think they had three guys out rebound Houston, if I remember right. I mean, I think it was yeah, Giannis, uh, Chris, and Brooke Lopez. At one point, at least, had more rebounds than the whole Rockets team. Yeah, they they combined for forty two turnover uh, turnovers rebounds. Felt like turnovers. Uh, yeah, uh, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke combined for forty two rebounds. The Rockets in total have thirty six. That's insane. <laughs> so they did out rebound him the whole game. That's nuts, but. It's like, but the the issue there is it's great to do that, but they wasted so many of their extra possessions. So that that's what that's why they lost. I really think it was the turnovers more than more than bricking the threes, more than letting the Rockets shoot a bunch of threes. Which again, I actually think it was kind of a win for the Bucks that PJ Tucker took as many shots. I think by the I don't I don't think that changed as James Harden. Like, if PJ Tucker beats you, PJ Tucker beats you. This is something. This is why the Warriors almost never lost in 2015, 16. Because teams made the same gamble with Draymond that the Bucks made with P.J. Tucker. Draymond actually beat some teams that year. He actually messed around and was an effective three-point shooter. But it's like, you'd rather have P.J. Tucker launching sort of contested threes than James Harden doing almost anything. Like, 
that's just that's a choice you'll live with. I think that's a choice the Bucks are fine with. I don't think Bud and the Bucks are looking at this game and going, we let PJ Tucker hit three or four threes and twelve shots, and that's why we lost. No, you I think did, it's, it's because you gave transition opportunities to a fast uh, small yes. team. Because yes. you turned the ball over an insane amount of time and let Russell Westbrook and James Harden get in transition. Exactly. I think that was the most glaring flaw. I think I think that was the biggest thing you have to fix. And I think just late game execution as well, which we already touched on. But yeah, I just think, I mean, they could have easily won this game. They should have easily won this game anyway, even with the turnovers, if they executed late better. And if they don't have the turnovers, they have a pretty sizable lead in the last few minutes. So that's why I just, I don't see the doom and gloom. They have things to fix. They can fix them. They're not going to bring... Their perfect A game every single game, especially not at this point in the uh, in the bubble run. It is what it is. They they have things they need to fix. They're far from a perfect team, but they have some time still to work on it. Yeah, especially when like the Rockets bench makes seven threes and the Bucks as a whole make nine. You know, it's just, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, it's just Ugh. like when that happens. It's 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 just hard. It's just a it's a tough situation. That if if this was a traditional like you know seven game series, let's say this is the finals, I think the Bucks win pretty easily still yeah i said in five if they played the the rockets yeah five maybe six you know if it's if yeah. it's super difficult it's a six game series in milwaukee's favor but yeah probably five i i just think and i've i had some people reach out and they're like this seems disrespectful like is this trolling and i was like no they just guard harden so well and i think that's like if you do that for a whole series, I just don't know how many like how many games can Russ and like Ben McLemore win you against a really good team in the Bucks if Harden is is fairly and I think he probably gets loose for a game, which is why I said five. But I, they just guard him so well. So yeah, that's that was my thing. But I, I, they're not going to. I don't think the Rockets have much of a chance to make the finals. It'd be fun if they did. I, I wouldn't mind it, but I, I don't think yeah, they will. Yeah, the Bucks would win the finals. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, Brooklyn is tomorrow as you listen to this, or maybe today as you listen to this on Tuesday. And I don't know if preview is the right word. So have you seen all the guys that they're sitting, Rohan? Uh, that Brooklyn is sitting? Yeah. Um, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, and uh, Jarrett Allen are all out. Oh, God. Yeah, they're out of players. I mean, you had those three to the list of Kyrie, KD, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Ooh, Jordan, I think play? Wilson Chandler, Chris Chioza, baby. Oh, no. So I did see, just to note, um, and I, this isn't this isn't like a, like a gambling plug or whatever, but if you, de- if you do DFS and you're for sure Giannis is playing... Probably a good, probably a good bet, but um, because uh, I I think Donta Hall is going to start at center for the Nets, and he's like a six nine guy who looked good in the G League, but is is not not going to be ready for the Bucks. But Matt Velasquez did kind of put out there he's been wondering for a while if this will be kind of a rest the starters game for the Bucks, and this this might make it the really perfect opportunity for it to be that. It didn't seem like he was sourcing anything on that, but it, who knows? Maybe it's like a little subtle wink nudge kind of deal. I have no idea, but. It wouldn't shock me if they did give somebody or some a couple guys maybe the game off, but it did seem like Bud was trying to ramp up the minutes a little bit, so mm-hmm. it's hard to say. But I think even if the Bucks gave four guys the night off, this feels like a pretty easy win. Yeah, it, it should be. I'd hope so. I mean, yeah, the Nets are just out of guys. Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Yeah. Oh no. I know it's it's so it's, the <laughs> the only other player that scored more than nine points in their win against the Wizards, the Brooklyn Nets, that is, uh, other than those three players, was Chris Chioza with 14 points. Uh, yeah. He's ready. And also, 
the uh, they're going to make a decision on Jamal Crawford's availability tomorrow morning. So they might be without him too. Oh, oh no. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't know how much impact that's really going to have. But uh, I'm so I'm so I'm nervous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this would be a nice one to get Bledsoe back though, and just that's really a, let yeah, him. Yeah, that was going to be my next point. If Eric Bledsoe yeah. and Pack on it, if they're you know healthy and ready to go, this would be a great opportunity. You know, just like a you know nice little warm up against your middle school basketball team. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> just go cook somebody. Yeah, just go like pull up to the Y as an NBA player. Um, Did you know Jabari Parker used to go to the Y in like Sockville sometimes? Really? Yeah, Sockville. Really? Yeah. I did. You ever see him there? No, I never did. But I heard that because I used to go there sometimes, and I was like, oh man, random random nugget. That would have been fun. I'm trying to see what nets are left. Not. Oh my God, poor Tory and Prince does not deserve this. Yeah, it's also the Bucks coming off loss that I think... Uh, oh, wait, no, uh, Torian Prince is out. I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh, he is? Yeah, he's not playing either. Oh. So here's their out list. Beasley is out. Wilson Chandler's out. Nicholas Claxton is out. Jamal Crawford's a maybe. Dinwiddie's out. Durant's out. Kyrie's out. DeAndre Jordan's out. Torian Prince is out. And now also Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, and Jarrett Allen are out. So if you look at scorers, Lance- like who's their... Lance Thomas, uh, Tyler Johnson, Garrett Temple. Let me just look at by minutes. So that's one, two, three, four. They have Garrett Temple. Did I say his name? No. They do have him. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he's, so they're they're number, he was fifth in minutes, so they still have him. And then the next guy in minutes is, oh, Timothy Luau Cabaret, who was ninth in total minutes. And then like Karuks and Musa, Theo Pinson, uh, Nuaba's out. Shump, maybe? Theo, isn't he on the Knicks now? Uh, who? Theo Pinson? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I was just reading down the list of, like, their total minutes played. So they have, like, they're going to play just a couple guys who even have, like, 100 minutes for them this year. Yeah. Uh, our, <laughs> well, <laughs> this will be a good preview of the first round, maybe. <laughs> Considering oh, that, that would be, yeah, probably. I didn't even think of that. Oh, my goodness. This poor, I kind of feel bad for some of the guys on the Nets, to be honest. Like, like they're just going to get steamrolled. And it's just like, it's not I even, mean, it's, it's, like, I honestly, like, it's not going to be probably that entertaining. You know, maybe, and, may, I mean, it'll be like, if, if they play, if the Bucks play everybody, it'll be like, like, how many points can Giannis score in 18 minutes? 18 Probably a lot. 40. <laughs> Probably 40. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, I, I just the, the the one bummer is you really won't get anything. Like I don't, I'm not gonna look at this game and and take much away from it just because, like you said, I mean it's it's really not fair. It's, it's an opportunity for the uh, role players to get acclimated. That's and just to get going, yeah. just for guys to get going. Like this would be a great game for George Hill to to put up like 15 points and make a couple threes Why and feel more? good, you know. Why not more? Yeah, his uh, who, who's gonna guard him? Garrett Temple. Yeah, and. And he's like, what, uh, 70? Justin Anderson. It's 34, Garrett Temple is. But yeah, it's, it's <laughs> close enough. Same thing. Just half. Um, but yeah, if we if we can get like a nice primary option, George Hill Knight, like that'd be exciting. You yeah. Know, things to look forward to. More DJ Wilson minutes. DJ played more oh, than Ursam against oh the Rockets. God, he yeah. played more than Robin Lopez. And he didn't do that bad. He, he was credible against Westbrook. Yeah. And this is, I've been saying this, but 
it's like it's like Groundhog Day. It's because you called He's him like, a future piston last episode. <laughs> I, I've called a lot of people. I think we also called Sterling that, right? Oh yeah, or was probably. it DJ? I think it was I DJ. Oh, I think I went on Laz's podcast and thought it was Sterling, but I guess they're both future pistons to me now. But I love that DJ Wilson is like, what's the groundhog that predicts the weather? Uh, Puxatani Phil. Yes, he's like that. He just comes out once a year, defends a high-profile player for eight minutes, goes back to the bench for a year. Like that's, and he gives everyone enough hope to keep going. He sees his own shadow. Mm-hmm. He defends his own shadow. And he departs. So last year it was Blake Griffin. This year it's Russell Westbrook. And I'm going to hear people telling me about this for the next year now. We both will. Every time we do a mailbag, DJ Wilson. Is, what do you think about his all-defense future? I mean, you saw him guard Russell Westbrook for eight minutes. It was a good performance, but it's just it's hilarious to me. I feel like this, that's it. It's, yeah. we, got, we, got, we got one this year. We're good. Mm-hmm. We got 16 total minutes of good DJ Wilson. <laughs> good, good, good on you, DJ. Uh yeah, I think, is there anything else that we need to necessarily cover in this episode? No, I mean, I compared DJ Wilson to Puxatani Phil. That is that sounds, how you say Yeah, it? I think so. Yeah, who cares? It's, it's a groundhog. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> so no, I think, I think that, I think that tells you we're about at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, so I guess we'll say thank you for listening to the, this episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show, Please leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Wow. Uh, Make sure you tell all your family and friends about the show because, you know, we have actual basketball to talk about. So, you know, we want you want to like embrace all of the basketball content that we're putting out. Bucks content that we're, you know, providing. Uh, You know who else is providing content? Everyone across the Blue Wire Network. So make sure you check out. Uh, everything being put out there and you might find some show that you enjoy that's new you know you never know Uh, until uh, we see talk to you next please stay safe and then we will talk to you then